with people, they actually lose their ability to function consciously very often. They will respond in bitter, angry ways out of the past. Mm -hmm. So what you see them do, the response is incongruent with what's happening in the here and now. But if you know that it's compiled with this horrible event from the past, oh, I'd respond that way too, you know, or right. it makes perfect sense that right. they would respond that way. So the bondage, the prison, kept them safe when they were younger or previously, or even right now. But um, trust in the Lord, trust in Jesus Christ, the freedom of the bondage breaker. Welcome to the Developing Great Relationships podcast, where we are having conversations to help you understand God's design for great relationships and how to develop the habits needed to achieve it. Now here is your host, Joshua Verwers. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Developing Great Relationships podcast. I am Joshua Verwers, and on today's episode, Dr. Mark Majors and I are sitting down and we're having a discussion about the things that really go bump in the night for us. It is the bondages that we seem to keep ourselves in. And so we're going to kick off things by jumping right into the conversation right now. So we are going to pick back up here in this episode. We've touched on some stuff, especially when we were talking about our communication, how it's directed by our identity. So there's things that we believe about ourselves, that we think about ourselves, and things that have even happened that will then cause that identity. We talked about, you know, like the, the doormat and the dangerous person, the important, the judge, uh, or the Frady cat. I wanted to get in and talk about what we briefly mentioned, we call bondage. The things that really bind us and, and hold us back. Uh, would you dive in a little bit more and explain how, how and why we talk about that as bondage? Yeah, things happen to us either in childhood or earlier in our life, or they could be ongoing, actually, that um, alter us. They're typically profound events. They're, Sometimes acute, or they happen all of a sudden, they're very intense, or they're chronic. They occur over a long period of time that cause us to make adjustments that we shouldn't have to do. Uh, right. Remember, we're made in the image of God, so we're not made to live in the sin-laden, fallen world. We're not yeah. made to be here. Right. And so this chronic stress, chronic issues, the acute attacks, um, they play on our brain. They stain our brain. They cause us to be um, uh, altered. Let's mm, okay. say altered. Um, so, so we have these issues, and they affect us. All of a sudden, everything that we do, everything we hear, all of our perception right. is filtered through uh, the negative impact of these events. Okay, that's a bondage. You yeah, know? and sometimes we. Um, adjust when we're young and we keep that adjustment so we actually put ourselves in a bondage prison okay and um, so it's kind of like a for lack of a better term a safety mechanism that when we're in our own little jail cell at least nothing can hurt us in here yeah and we can't get out either <laughs> right that's right. right that's the issue so um, I like to term it a stain on our brain mm-hmm you know, because everything is filtered through that stain. Uh, typically, 
<clears throat> the stain occurs because an event has happened or is happening that should not. It's okay. a fallen world thing. It's a sin thing. And um, if you're a child, you make the best adjustments you can, but they're often um, not right, maladaptive, broken. And so yeah. when you're a child, it's the best you could do. But as an adult, doing that is a lot of times inappropriate mm. and creates a great deal of grief for that person. Right. And so we find ourselves in that jail cell and having difficulty getting out. Yeah. In fact, sometimes we're so comfortable being behind bars, we just stay there. Some people stay there their entire life. And so... Well, and I think we see some of that even here in a natural sense. I mean, we're talking kind of like the internal stuff, but even in an external world, there are a lot of inmates. And I'm talking like physical inmates in prisons that they basically become lifelong criminals because they've been in for such an extended period of time that that's the only life they know and they just keep going back even when they get out. Yeah. They've adapted to it and they find that freedom is foreign. Yeah. And that's essentially what we're talking about here with these, uh, these like mental bondages that we have, or even the spiritual bondages that sure. it's just, we're so used to that, that freedom is, is foreign and yeah. it becomes uncomfortable. So we grow up or as adults, we build the prison that we're in. Ah. We uh, very carefully make sure that we're safe. Um, out of potential harm's way. Now, not just out of harm's way, but I won't go to a place where there may be chaos or I won't go to a place that reminds me of the past negative events. Mm -hmm. And so I will isolate. Okay. Um, and um, people don't even know that they do it. Right. And socially, isolation is frequently a result. Um, I won't be around these people. I, don't be around, I won't stay at church and fellowship after or before I just come and go yeah. um, because it starts to get uncomfortable. Yeah. People cannot know me because I'm in jail and I don't want to come out, you know? Right. Even if I come out, I'm still holding on to the bars of the door so yeah. I can get right back in and close it. Yeah. So you may not know me. And so is a lot of this we've touched on in previous conversations here on the podcast about the rejection that we face. So a lot of this has to do with that, right? Rejection is, you know, as, as I mentioned previously, um, God does not like rejection. Mm -hmm. You know, acceptance and being in the presence of the Lord, being loved by the Lord, uh, and fellowship with the Lord is how we're designed. Right. And we're commanded by Jesus Christ to stay in that fellowship with each other. But it is near impossible for some people because of the pain of rejection being so great that they wall themselves off, put themselves behind that prison um, bar. Yeah. And they may look through, but they do not interact with other people to a healthy extent. Right. They like you keep, were talking about the people at church that don't really do the <clears throat> fellowship. And, mm -hmm. They protect themselves from rejection by not being in fellowship. Yeah. If you're in fellowship, you'll be rejected. Uh, somebody will come along that has an issue that ends up rejecting people. Yep. That's what they do. Yeah. They, they, you know, um, they have their own prison. Mm -hmm. They have their own issues. And uh, we 
all interact with, we have burdens. We're to bear one another's, one another's burdens. And um, so we're to bear one another's prison environment right. and, and encourage each other to be healed. So Jesus has come to heal these things. Right. Um, to open the door, set the captives free. Set the captives free, free exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it says in Isaiah. And he mentions in the synagogue when he, you know, just after he turned 30 and he's standing there saying why he came. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> set the captives free. Uh, it is through each other and the Holy Spirit and the Word. Yeah. You know, the fellowship, the power of the Holy Spirit the living Christ, that we are set free from these things. Bondage is such a painful thing. Um, rejection destroys. And so people get in that jail cell because they want to avoid what is perhaps the most painful thing that we can endure, the rejection right. of another human being. Divorce, uh, mom and dad saying you're no good. Oh, yeah. um, teachers, uh, important adults saying Something's wrong with you. A boss not liking your work. Right, um, right. All these things happen um, so that a person becomes wounded. Their brain is stained by that rejection. And um, so they filter everything through, always apprehensive that it may happen again, believing I am rejectable. Yeah. There's something wrong with me. I'm flawed. I'm uniquely flawed. And I don't really have a right to exist here. Right. And a lot of this stuff is not like we're making the mental decision that I'm going to put myself in here. It's it's not like a conscious decision, is it? I mean, this becomes something that's almost like when we talk about the fear of rejection, the fear, it's like a basic instinct that we have of either fight or flight. Well, what happens is we make the decision to pull back or do whatever is necessary to put us in that cell. But it's from a a protection mode. But but at the time we do that, we're conscious about it, but then it's just after that habit. It becomes habit and we just stop thinking. And and so we stop thinking about it. Um, Some people refer to it as automatic thought. Okay. Somebody says something and you automatically go to where you went as a child, safe place, yeah, and, and that's maladaptive, and all the adults look at you and say, well, what's Such the matter? Such a quick thing, like even basic math thoughts. I mean, one, and one plus one is two. I mean, it's something sure, that sure. we don't have to go through adding it all up. We just know it at that point. We have to remember that that rejection, that pain, um, is so profound. It really does stay in the brain in a post-traumatic stress type of way. Oh, um, okay. Near-death experiences in combat or, you know, having seen a traffic accident or some other form of violence or destruction that's near death has such a major impact on the brain. We are not engineered by God to die. Mm-hmm. Death is a sting. You know? Yeah. Paul yeah. says. Right. Death, where is I sting? Swallowed up in victory, you know? With Christ, but because of that feeling of death and rejection's death, right? Spiritual, emotional, psychological death. 
Yeah. I have no value. Somebody is casting me away, doesn't want me. Therefore, you know, socially, I died. Mm -hmm. And so there is a death in there. So it is almost a post-traumatic type of response to get in that jail cell. With that, if, if I can take a, a little uh, rabbit trail down the, the post-traumatic <clears throat> stress aspect of it, is there a difference in how that affects men and women? Because as you brought that up, I started to think about how I've seen, you know, couples that I've helped, you know, disciple and counsel. And it often seems like with uh, women in particular, it takes a little bit more for them to find that victory from the, the bondage. Is there something with the PTSD that affects them? Yeah, and we started to allude to it um, previously in blogs about women and fear. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, when we were talking First Peter and... Uh, well, the, the, the need fear. for man to be the protectorate is right. because of that fear. Okay. If, if women get into fear, keep in mind the cortisol and adrenaline causes their brain to get foggy, mm -hmm. and they start to make funny decisions and do funny things, and they'll act out in fear. But husband may not know it's fear. Okay. He may not know what's going on. A real good example of post-traumatic stress, I'm not plugging a movie, but an old Clint Eastwood movie called Firefox. Okay. It's about him being a pilot stealing a Russian plane. And he has these post-traumatic experiences. And he falls into a debilitating de sort of trance. All right. And that's a real good indication of what's going on. Okay. People, they actually lose their ability to function consciously very often. They will respond in bitter, angry ways out of the past. Mm -hmm. So what you see them do, the response is incongruent with what's happening in the here and now. But if you know that it's compiled with this horrible event from the past, oh, I'd respond that way too, you know, or right. it makes perfect sense that right. they would respond that way. So the bondage, the prison, kept them safe when they were younger or previously, or even right now. But um, trust in the Lord, trust in Jesus Christ, the freedom of the bondage breaker. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's what I was going to kind of try to lead into was when we know that there's this rejection bondage that we have, we've put ourselves in the jail cell of rejection. We know that Jesus came to set us free from that. What do we do to find victory from the rejection? How do we, how do we get out of that, that prison sentence? Yeah. It, it takes a um, deliberate conscious prayer. Okay. For the Lord, we have to recognize that what we're doing, regardless of how it began, what we're doing as adults is sin. Mm. And people say, well, that's not sin. I'm just reacting. Yeah, I'm sorry. But well, it, yeah, rejecting bitter, yeah. ha hateful things. That, if the actions are obedience, then or disobedience, then it is. Yeah. We're talking about the why uh, based upon rejection. Uh, why it is done, but doing it, doing those things, right. is sin. And so, honesty, you know, if we confess, Lord, I'm in this bondage. I react to people and situations inappropriately. Yeah. And I know why. It's not good. These things were very bad. 
I confess that I'm stuck. I'm in prison. I'm in bondage. And I pray that you would help me out of this bondage. Mm, you would okay. free me from this jail cell. That's the start. Okay. Being able to have an individual, a pastor, or somebody that you can talk with about it, expressing it openly, and it takes some time for that, a counselor, a church counselor, or an elder, a deacon, somebody to talk to that's spiritually mature to pray with you, mm -hmm. begins to help you to set these things aside. These things will creep up on you. Okay, yeah. Even if you get out of your jail cell, something might happen. You find yourself, you ran back. Mm-hmm. I don't right. want to be here. And so all of a sudden, the freedom in Christ Jesus becomes much more addictive. Yeah. And I can see, especially with the rejection, when how unity, how communion with one another, how that fellowship could really help, uh, especially in the natural, start to combat yeah. that. The, the Word of God, we're told that it renews our mind. Would it be beneficial for us, let's say, if we feel like we have been rejected, to really focus in on the Scriptures where it says that we are accepted in Christ? Yeah, we are accepted in Christ. And also, keep in mind what we're doing is trying to combat thoughts that are broken thoughts. Mm -hmm. They're not of Christ. And so... The weapons of our warfare are carnal, are yeah. not carnal, uh, but they're mighty in God. Second Corinthians ten four and five uh, it tears down the strongholds. It yeah. tears down the jail cells. Yeah, it demolishes all the lofty arguments that we have developed that put us there and keep right, us there. Right. All the lies we tell ourselves, and we take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ Jesus. Being able to recognize these inappropriate maladaptive thoughts mm -hmm. and say, hey, that paranoid thought, that's not of Jesus. That's, that's a thought of Satan. That's yeah, a thought of that experience. Satan caused those people back then to do that to me, and they gave me this burden of this jail cell. I reject it. I will not have it. Right. And um, uh, begin the process, and it takes time and effort and support and encouragement. Yeah. Reject those thoughts. Well, and I think that's the important thing because the spiritual component, when we find our, ourselves in Christ and we've got that new life, the spirit is, has been regenerated, but it's still that old mind. It's the, the stains on our brain that that takes time and it takes a process for us to really renew that and to make sure that those stains have been washed by the word. Uh, and we allow that to do it, to really just transform those thoughts which goes in with what you're saying about yeah. that second corinthians we're taking those thoughts captive instead of us being captive by our thoughts we take the thoughts captive and to do that obey the word obey yeah. god yes yeah. uh, that's good it's the process and uh the freedom is so wonderful taste and see that the mm. word is good yeah <clears throat> so when the individual begins to really taste that freedom and recognize the difference in the bondage and the freedom in Christ, that they really hunger and thirst for that righteousness. Yeah. That, that freedom from the bondage. Yeah. That's good. I, I love this one that we talked about because we're talking about how that rejection, and we made the great illustration there, how that can separate us from other people, which would definitely harm the relationships that we have. 
Um, I want to wrap this episode up, but in the next one, let's get into one of those other bondages that we find ourselves in. And how about we really jump in and start to talk about how negative events and maybe even abuse in our life can put us in our own little prison cell. Okay. All right. We'll pick it up next time. Okay. All right, so I hope that episode was really insightful for you, and I hope that you can find some help in that. I realize we're talking about some very difficult things, especially when we're talking about bondage. And so we want to make a couple resources available. The first one that you'll find is actually it's a PDF download of what we call the bondage checklist. And it's a way for you to really take inventory on those things that do keep us in bondage so you're able to identify them and then find victory out of them. The second resource is actually some other help and some other organizations. The reason I would want to provide that is because some of these bondages we have, they need a lot more help and a lot more addressing of these situations than what we can do here in this short 30-minute podcast. So because of that, if you'll check the description below, you'll see a couple links to some resources where you can find extra help to really find freedom from those things of bondage. Now that's all we have for you. I just want to thank you all so much. If you want more information about us, you can check us out at dgrpella.org. And until next time, we will see you there.